0: some prayer I feel led to share a couple of verses of scripture over you this morning and just to pray for you you know i just sense this morning as i was worshiping and you were worshiping i just sense that many of us are just carrying a level of anxiety and fear and are facing some issues that feel incredibly overwhelming to us today and that you've even had trouble as you come into this room today even focusing on what's taking place here it's been good to be with other people, but you're just so focused on what has been happening this week, what you're facing tomorrow, maybe what you're facing this afternoon, you can't even focus in on what the Lord has for you this morning. And so that's your, if that's the case for you, then I want to read two verses over you. And then I just want to lead you in prayer. Because I just believe the Lord wants to begin freeing you from that. God did not make us to live in fear and anxiety. I know we feel like that's just the norm of our society now, and we just have to learn how to navigate it. I just, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. That just because it's the norm of our society does not mean it has to be our norm. Because we serve a God of peace. We serve a God who has made us at peace with him. so we can live in that peace. Listen to what David said. Psalm 34, verse 4, 5, and 6. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. And he delivered me from all my fears. This is King David. I mean, he walked with Jesus. I mean, the Lord used him powerfully. This is the guy who took down Goliath. This is the guy who routed armies. And he said, listen, I was fearful but the lord delivered me from all my fears those who look to him are radiant their faces are never covered with shame so you can lift your head this morning you don't have to look at the ground you can make eye contact with people you deserve to be known and recognized and loved because when we look to the Lord, He delivers us from all of our shame, even the shame you brought on yourself. By His grace, He can deliver you out of your shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him, and He saved him out of all his troubles. So, if that's you, I just want to invite you can we just close our eyes together? And if you're at a place of peace and joy in your relationship with the Lord, Would you just start interceding on behalf of people who are not? Because people need freedom. So, if you're in a place where you're covered in anxiety, you're overwhelmed by the problems of your life, I would just encourage you to pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, if you're real, I want to ask you to begin to lift this off of me. I don't want to be afraid anymore. I don't want to constantly be thinking about the problems that are in front of me. Your scripture that the pastor just read said that if I'll seek you, that you will deliver me out of all my fears. So would you teach me how to seek you? And Lord Jesus, I just ask you to honor that prayer. Will you make the word of God jump off the page for that man and woman? Would you speak to them in ways they've never heard your voice before? Will they meet believers in places they never anticipated? Will songs come on the radio and television that will speak exactly to their moment, Lord? Will you place your followers in their path so that they may know you love them and that you care for them? And if you're in that place of fear and you're in that place of being overwhelmed... I just want to encourage you to say, Lord Jesus, I give you this problem. I can't solve it. It's too big for me. I don't have the resources, the emotional bandwidth to do it. I'm not smart enough, Lord. But if you're who you say you are, you can handle this problem. You can fix it. You can deliver me out of it. Show me who you are. So Lord Jesus, we know who you are. We declare who you are. You're the God of all creation. You're the God who got Moses through the Red Sea and through the desert you got Joshua into the promised land. You delivered David from Goliath and all his enemies. You delivered Daniel from the lions' den. You raised Jesus from the dead. You can handle our problems. You can handle our problems. So what a joy it is to turn our issues over to you, Jesus. It's such a joy. May we hear the word of God taught to us in power now. May you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for room to go in that direction. Let me invite you to open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah was raised up by God in a period of his people's history in which they had walked away from the Lord, they had turned away from the promises of relationship that they had made to him, and now they're suffering the consequences. So you've got the Lord's people scattered out in the northern tribe of Israel, you've got them living in the southern tribe of Judah, and each of those nations now are facing all manner of problems. And Isaiah is calling God's people back to faithfulness because Isaiah knows what he's been preaching, that the Lord has actually allowed many of these issues to come their way and to oppress them so that they will turn their attention back to God, that they will repent, they'll confess their sins, they'll restore that covenant relationship that God has offered to them. And Isaiah calls to them. And so if you read these chapters... What you'll find is over five decades, five decades, that this prophet ministered to Israel and Judah. And he said things like this to the northern tribe of Israel, if you don't return to the Lord, the Lord is going to send the nation of Assyria onto you, and he'll destroy you, and he will toss you from your land. And that's exactly what happened, 721 B.C. You can check it in the history books. Assyria marched into Israel, destroyed them, And sent their people into exile. And then he prophesied to the southern kingdom of Judah that said, You saw what happened to your sister kingdom. Please repent. Turn back to God. If you don't, the Lord will send the Babylonians, and they will destroy you as Assyria did the Israelites. And you know they did not repent. And the same thing happened, 587. The Babylonians marched into Judah, destroyed that nation, including Jerusalem, burned the temple to the ground, and exiled God's people into the lands that they controlled. But aren't you glad that God does not just bring judgment on us? He doesn't just punish us for our sin. He brings hope and grace and a future into our presence as well. And so God raises up Isaiah to do something else. He begins to prophesy about what's going to happen with Israel and Judah after 70 years of being in exile. He says, God is going to call you back to this land. He's going to deliver you from your enemies. He is going to repay you for these years that he has brought wrath and judgment on you. He's going to restore you. And one of the major promises that he made to them was God has a man that he's going to raise up who will lead you back to God, who will lead you back to God's presence, and who will shepherd you as a king once did. And he calls him the servant of the Lord. And four different times, in the book of Isaiah, he prophesies that this servant of the Lord would come. It's in Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 49 and in Isaiah 50. And now the last is in Isaiah 52 and 53. And every single time he prophesies about the servant of the Lord, he talks about how he'll bring healing and redemption and new leadership and fresh life. But something shifts in Isaiah 53. When he begins to talk about something else this servant will do for God's people. And so as we pick that up today, I want you to flip there. Isaiah chapter 52. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can grab one of those blue Bibles in the pews. You can follow along with me. Isaiah chapter 52 is on page 1146 if you're not familiar with your Bible. And just skip all the way down to verse 13. As Isaiah sees this servant of the Lord... I want you to understand we know that this is Jesus. This is how we know it's Jesus. Because 700 years later, Jesus came to the earth, God Himself, clothed in a human body, and fulfilled all of these prophecies for God's people. And when He began to preach the good news of who He was, and people began to see their sins forgiven, and their bodies healed, and their bondages broken. Everyone started to say maybe this is the one that god promised us way back in the old testament And then jesus started saying things like i'm the messiah. I'm the one I'm the son of david. I'm the one that's been promised And so after Jesus dies on the cross, after he's resurrected, his followers, those who had believed in him, started going back to the Old Testament, and they started scouring every passage they could find to see the prophecies that were made about Jesus and what he had fulfilled. And do you know where they camp out? They camp out in Isaiah 52 and 3. Because these passages tell us something about Jesus that even the Gospels don't tell us. We're so blessed to have the Gospels, right? We're blessed to have Matthew and Mark, Luke and John so we can see how Jesus lived on the earth. There are other passages like Colossians 1 and Philippians 2 that tell us things about Jesus. But Isaiah 52 and 3 tells us things about Jesus that we did not know had God had not given this prophecy through Isaiah. And here's what we learn. Jesus was a man that was familiar, familiar with pain and suffering. And what's interesting is if you look at the other servant of the Lord passages, he's this triumphant king. And Israel loved that, right? They were like, yeah, we need we need a triumphant king. We need someone who's going to defeat Assyria and Babylon and Persia and Rome. We need that guy. But then all of a sudden, this fourth passage starts to talk about how he'll suffer and be broken. And the Israelites are like, I don't understand that. What? I don't want a king like that. I want a king is a conqueror and do you know that this caused the jews to stumble for hundreds of years because they were asking is that is that really talking about the messiah i mean our, our messiah wouldn't suffer like that until jesus came and fulfilled it so listen to what isaiah saw about jesus 700 years before jesus walked the earth isaiah 52 verse 13 See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Now listen to how he'll be highly exalted. You ready? Just as there were many who were appalled at him and his appearance so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond all human likeness, so he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him for what they were not told they will see and what they have not heard they will understand into verse chapter 53 who's believed our message and to whom has the arm of the lord been revealed he grew up before him like a tender shoot like a root out of dry ground he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. For three weeks now, I've talked to you about the importance of getting to know God. How God has moved heaven and earth so that we can know him. How he wove his presence into creation, even into our own bodies, so that we could understand there's a God who's out there, and we should seek him, and we should worship him. He's worthy of our worship. And then we talked about how Jesus was an even better revelation because God himself took on flesh and lived among us and showed us a life that could fully please God and be about God's purposes. But I understand for some of us what's difficult for us when it comes to thinking about getting to know Jesus or getting to know the Lord is sometimes we struggle with whether or not God can actually understand what we're going through. I mean, we read the Bible and we hear things about Jesus and sometimes it's hard just to see someone who's like a God-man and has all this miraculous power available to us and it's hard for us to relate to that. We need to kind of bask in Isaiah 52 and 53 because it tells us something about Jesus that I think we take for granted did you know that Jesus was not outwardly handsome did you know that his physical appearance in the world was not something that drew people to him that we value that so much in our culture right the way that we look We make sure that when we're on Facebook, we take the picture from the exact right angle. Don't act like you don't. You take it from the exact right angle, and 32 pictures later, you got that perfect angle. And then you push that filter. Don't act like you don't. You push that filter on your phone to make sure you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed or whatever it needs to be, right? But Jesus was not like that. In fact, it says that his physical appearance was completely different than that. You know, we, we do a disservice because uh, we have this we live this in this great age where we've tried to put the gospels and things like that into into motion picture and video forms so that we can kind of make the gospels come alive remember the passion of christ years ago john and i were talking about that this morning remember passion of the christ jim uh jim did that one and then it was like um jesus of nazareth back in the 80s okay some of y'all weren't born in the 80s that's okay but it was like jesus of nazareth and he was this european with this long flowing hair just kind of waved across the you know you know i was and you know and the new thing is the chosen right which has just been amazing it's been great But do you know what they all have in common? They all have this really handsome guy playing Jesus. I mean, he's just really handsome. And I understand what we're doing because I know that from the majority of us, we come to these things knowing these are not perfect portrayals of Scripture. These are just the best job we can do. But I just want you to understand something. Jesus physically did not look like those men looked in those movies. And why is that important for us? Because I just want you to understand, there are many of you that you're not physically impressive either. In fact, that may have been the hardship of your life for a long time. Maybe people picked on you as you were growing up because you weren't tall or you weren't skinny or you weren't athletic or you couldn't walk without tripping yourself. That's kind of my club. I'm the most uncoordinated person I know. It's amazing I haven't killed myself on these steps all these years going up and down. But some of you have been rejected simply because of how you look. People have pushed away from you. And it's only got worse in culture Because culture does what? It accelerates and accentuates Everything that's perfect on the outside And that's just not your reality And maybe that's plunged you into Maybe that's plunged you into depression Or it's led you down places That you didn't want to go But that's where you ended up So that you could cope with those things I want you to understand That from this passage The first thing I want you to know Is that Jesus knows rejection Christ can relate to your rejection. He knows what it is to not be the most physically impressive person, the most magnetic personality. You know what I love about Jesus? You know why people were drawn to Jesus by the thousands? It's because he showed God for who God really was. He radically loved people in spite of themselves. And he gave them grace every chance he could. And people flocked to him. They flocked to him. Jesus knows what it is to face rejection. But keep going, verses 4-6. through Surely he took up our pain, and he bore our suffering. And yet we considered him punished by God, and stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Not only does Jesus know rejection, but Christ knows what it's like to bear the weight of someone else's sins. And you know, as I was preparing this, originally I had written down, Christ knows what it's like to bear the weight of someone else's mistakes. But then I felt the Lord say, no, that's a little too soft, son. It's not that he bore the weight of our mistakes. He bore the weight of our sin. Our willful choices to dishonor him, our willful running away from him, our willfulness in choosing our way and not his way, Jesus bore that. And so, if you are one of those people who have borne the sins of somebody else, I want you to know Jesus can relate to that. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, some of you are still bearing the weight of your parents' sin when they decided to divorce when you were young. And whether it was your mom, or whether it was your dad, or whether it was a mutual thing, you're still, to this day, trying to figure out what it means to be a man, and a father, and a husband, because it wasn't modeled for you. What it means to be a wife, and a, a, a mother, a and even a follower of Jesus because it just wasn't modeled to you, it wasn't modeled to you, you're still to this day bearing the sins of someone else to this day. Some of you were raised in a home where you would have prayed for divorce because it would have allowed you to be free of one of your parents because your your home was so abusive And you walked on eggshells and things that you thought were incredibly huge deals. You got in your 20s and you figured out it really isn't a huge deal if you spill a glass of Pepsi. That doesn't deserve a beating. But that's all you ever knew. For some of you, people that you trusted, your parents your aunt, your uncle, a next-door neighbor. God forbid someone in a church, a pastor, a deacon, an elder, a Sunday school teacher did things to you they should have never done to you. They took advantage of you physically, mentally, emotionally, and God forbid sexually at times. And you are still bearing the weight of what someone else did to you. You're still bearing the sins of someone else. And now you're asking yourself can I actually be married? Can I actually raise a child and not duplicate onto them what was done to me? Am I gonna freak out and lose my, my, my temper? Am I gonna hit my kid for no reason? You know what, maybe I don't even need to be a parent. Maybe I just need to step away from it. Maybe I will need to be married. Maybe I'll just never figure that out. I want you to understand if that's you, Jesus knows what it is to bear somebody else's sin. He knows what it is. Maybe your business partner decided that it was just easier to cut a crooked deal or to take the company's money out of your joint bank account and you ended up losing a business and a livelihood because of someone else's malpractice. Maybe that's what's happened. Who knows, but Jesus knows what it is to bear the weight of someone else's sin. And here's the good news. Because he bore the weight of our sin, we can come to him now as a perfect father, as one who loves us completely, who can take our sins and does not react unappropriately and with uncontrolled anger, but comes to us in grace and love, even though he will pour out his discipline on us. He's a loving father who corrects us in healthy ways. We can know him. And not only that, we can bring the suffering that other people have placed onto us, and we can bring it to him. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, he can cleanse our heart. He can bring forgiveness. Into our heart He can release us from bitterness And anger and hate He can show us a picture of what it means To be a whole and fruitful man Or woman of God He can retrain you how to be a husband or a wife He can train you how to be a mother or a father He can do it Because he bore your sin He bore your sin And we can bring the sins of others to him And we can say Jesus you can have this He'll take them. He'll take them. Let's keep going. In case you feel like you can't relate to Jesus. Verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter, and his sheep before its shearers are silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. And though he had done no violence, and nor was any deceit found, In his mouth. Not only does Jesus know rejection, not only does he know what it means to bear the sins of someone else, but he knows what it is to be oppressed. He knows what it is to be oppressed. You know, listen, history is littered with story after story of individuals impre- oppressing other individuals, of people groups oppressing other people groups, of nations oppressing other nations. Whether you go all the way back to slavery from Africa into the United States, what resulted of that in our culture, racism that came for that, those kind of different things. Whether you go back to World War II, where Jews were slaughtered, six million Jews in the course of about six years That's oppression. When you go into different places in our world now, some of you came from countries to this country. You're in the United States right now because someone took over your nation, some dictator walked in, they took an incredibly powerful nation, a wealthy nation, they ran it to the ground, they sent inflation through the roof, they had groceries that spiked, healthcare spiked, a military coup, whatever it is, and you fled that nation to come here so you could survive. It wasn't just about a job. It was about you and your family Surviving, and you're still licking the wounds of oppression in your life. The only freedom from oppression, listen to me, the only freedom from oppression is forgiveness. It's the only road. It is the only way that we can handle oppression over the long term is looking at what Jesus took for us. And no matter how you've been oppressed, I'm not a man who's ever been oppressed, I can tell you that. But no matter how you've been oppressed, I'll tell you this. Jesus was more unjustly oppressed. How do you know that? Because Jesus was perfect. Jesus was perfect. He never one time sinned against God. He never one time sinned against another human being. He never one time did something that was worthy of someone punishing him or pushing back on him, and he took those punishments anyway. He understood what oppression was. He understood what the religious leaders of his day did to him, where they should have been falling on their feet and worshiping him. And then one of the most troubling passages in all the Gospels, it says the religious leaders plotted to kill Jesus. Plotted to kill Jesus. And that's what they did. That's oppression. That's oppression. For when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate and Pontius Pilate examined him and said, as the Roman leader, as the Roman governor in that area, I have no charge to bring against him. What should I do with him? What did the crowd say? Crucify him. That wasn't fair. That, wasn't obju- that was unjust. Jesus bore that for you and me. So if you've ever suffered oppression, listen, Jesus, can, he can relate to that. Whether it's as small as your boss not allowing you to climb the ladder in your office. All the way down to a culture that's oppressed you in some form or fashion, Jesus can relate to you. He can relate to you. But let's keep going. Not through yet. Almost through, but not through yet. Down to verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. He will bear their iniquities. Not only does Christ understand rejection and bearing sins for other people and oppression, Christ knows what it's like to suffer for doing the will of God. We have missionaries in our room today. They've gone to places where every single day men and women suffer to do the will of God. I've had a a good opportunity to get to know some of our Indian families in our Sunday school. It's been good. To get to know them, we were talking about persecution the other day, and we were saying how in America, you know, persecution right now is I'm going to talk bad about you, or I'm going to trash you out on Facebook, or I'm going to potentially take some of your rights away. Um, that that is difficulty, but brothers and sisters, that's not persecution. Persecution is when you confess the name of Jesus. And it means your life is on the line. When people come into your home and take everything you own because, simply because, only because you confess the name of Jesus. That's persecution. When I was in India, I met a pastor who when I met him, had a hearing loss in his right ear. And When we talked to him, how did that happen? He said, well, because a man in my village stuck a gun through my window to kill me in the middle of the night. And he shot point blank and he missed. It went right into my pillow because Jesus said, nope. Listen, that's persecution. That's persecution. Jesus understands what it's like to stand and do the will of God and to suffer for it. And I just want to encourage you because I've talked to some of you some of you have a chance of losing your job because you're trying to make a stand for jesus some of you are changing occupations because you know it's impossible for you in your current field to be able to openly be who you desire to be as a follower of jesus it's costing you things you've poured education into for three decades but now you've got to lay that at jesus's feet young people the reason I want you to learn to fall in love with Jesus while you're this age, it's not going to get easier to follow Jesus. It's going to get harder. Learn to love him now. Learn how to not compromise on the will of God now. Learn to take the hits when someone makes fun of you because you take your Bible to school or because you pray before a meal or because you go to church or because you want class like the rest of your teammates will. Learn to take those hits now because it will prepare you for what God has for you and you'll see Jesus exalt you to places that no man can. If you suffer to do the will of God, know you're in good company. And the last thing is this. Verse 12. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Listen, last thing, Christ knows the blessing of God. He understood what it was like to persevere in all of that. All the rejection, all the oppression, all the bearing of other people's sins, all the suffering to do the will of God, Jesus persevered and God persevered poured out his blessing on him he not just allowed jesus to die on the cross he was resurrected from the dead that was god's blessing over him for his perfect life his complete obedience god raises him from the dead we're going to celebrate that next week on easter how exciting and because of what jesus did we can be resurrected too listen i don't know what you're facing i don't know what you've been through i have never seen your history i don't read your notes but i do know this jesus does know And he can relate to it. And I would encourage you, he's better than any counselor. He's better than any friend. He can understand what you're dealing with, and he wants to know you. He wants to know you. It doesn't mean it's going to change overnight, but I would rather do like we did this morning and start giving it to Jesus and letting him lift it off of us. That would be worth it. That would be worth it. So our praise team is going to come. They're going to Lead us in a final song, and this is a chance. Maybe you need someone to pray with you. Maybe you're so overwhelmed this morning, you're thinking, I would just like someone to pray with me. You can come to the altar and pray. Our elders and their wives are be around to pray with you. Maybe you just want to lean over to the person beside you and say, would you pray with me this morning? You don't have to have the words. Just pray blessing over them in the name of Jesus, however God leads you. Or maybe you want to respond to the good news That Jesus bore your sin. He bore your choices. And you can be free. You can be forgiven. His grace is sufficient for you. Let's stand together and respond.